0: Wow. Let me just say, David, choir, musicians, congregation, what a sweet, sweet time of worship this morning. Um, I'm ready to move my membership if it's like this all the time. Wow. Just wow. Uh, I've been on the State Board of Missions staff, now state missionary for, I've been my 29th year. And I've lost track of the number of Alabama Baptist churches that I've been in, uh, but I don't think I'll ever lose track of those that um, that have worshiped like you have worshiped today. Uh, sweet, sweet time of worship. Thank you so much for, uh, for that time. It is a privilege for me to represent the State Board of Missions to you today. Uh, Dr. Rick Lance, our executive director, asks us always to bring greetings on his behalf, and uh, he loves, uh, as all of us do, loves to be out in um, in our churches and and uh, the message that we want to share with you first and foremost about the State Board of Missions is that the in Baptist life is a pyramid, and the State Board of Missions is not at the top that pyramid is inverted like this you guys are at the top we work for you so any need that you have that we can help you with that's what we are there to do so always remember you are at the top we work for you and we want to assist you and resource you in any way we can now uh your pastor mentioned that uh I have a wife, a daughter, a son in law, but most importantly, he mentioned I have a grandson. I used to hear people make statements like that, and I thought, oh, come on, get over that. He's four months old, and I'm telling you, I have been smitten by the granddaddy bug. And uh, if you don't want to see any pictures, you better not ask me after the service because I can show you some pictures of that cute little boy. Uh, But we're not here to talk about me or my grandson, even though that would be a lot of fun, I assure you. Uh, We're here to talk about, um, first and foremost, primarily, uh, we want to continue this sweet time of worship. We want to look into God's word. But I want to share with you about your involvement in state missions. I want to read from John chapter 14. John chapter 14, we'll uh, focus on verse 12. I'll read 12 through 14. John 14, verses 12 through 14. Read with me, please. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me... The works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Let's go back to verse 12. The works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Then we might read that and say, how in the world could I do greater things than what Jesus did? Well, that's when we read that as quality. Not the quality of things that Jesus did, but the quantity. See, Jesus had three years. He had a very limited geographical place. His ministry was was limited to Palestine. But he said, you, you will have opportunity to do much greater things because you'll have much longer than I've had and you'll have much greater parts of the world. Jesus never saw a city like Rome. He never saw the, the sinfulness and the just the, the rampant immorality that some of his followers saw in just a few years after his death. But he said you will have those opportunities and you'll do greater, more plentiful, more numerous things than I've been able to do because you will have opportunities to go into those places. As I look around here this morning, as I I drove up, as um, this scripture was on my mind, I began to think about great things that might have happened in this church. How many of you were baptized in this church? A bunch. Anybody get married here? Anybody ordained as a deacon here, all right, Some wonderful things that have happened in this church. How many, how many of you uh, were, um, were children that grew up in this church? Several of those, okay. Great things have happened here in this church. And as I, I sat here this morning, I couldn't help but think about the great things that will happen in the future. The the number of people who uh, who will be impacted by the ministry of this church right here in this community, the number of people that will be baptized here, maybe those who will be discipled, those who will uh, who will come to know the Lord and grow up and bring their children back through this church. Wonderful, wonderful future for you right here in uh, in Oxford. But in order to get there we got to look at the present. We can look at the past and we need to embrace the past, not to the point of of saying this is the only way we can ever do things. Uh, my I learned how to drive in a 1954 1954 Ford pickup truck. Anybody remember? I know some of you men remember when the clutch pedal went through the floor instead of coming from under the dashboard. you remember that? little button about this big around over to the far left. Y'all remember that? I wish it was still there. Sometimes if I'm driving, my, my wife's car is exact opposite to my, my truck. When I try to dim my lights in her car, turn the wipers on every time. But if that little button was still down there to tap it with your toe. That, that was just the biggest mistake I think we ever made in automobiles. But uh, as much fun as I had learning to drive that truck, you know, the shift was up here on the column, and, and uh, it uh, had a push-button starter, and we have gone back to that. My wife's car has a push-button starter. You have to have a key, but that truck, you didn't have to have a key. You just got in, push the button. As much fun as that truck was to drive then, and I think it would be fun to drive now. I'd love to restore that and drive around that old truck but I wouldn't want to drive it very far because number one doesn't have any air conditioning and number two the padding on those seats was about that thick and as many miles as I drive in Alabama going from church to church and association to association that padding would get really really thin uh, in just a short period of time so I don't want to go back to that old truck. I like my 2016 Ford pickup truck that's got thick padding and the seat kind of wraps around you and it's got cruise control that keeps me honest and it's got air conditioning and, uh, I mean, it, it's, it is a much better thing. But somewhere along the way we got the idea in church that that 54 Ford pickup truck was good and why do we ever need to change anything? I grew up in a house that had an attic fan, and sometimes at night, in the fall and the spring especially, we'd go to bed with that attic fan on, and I could hear my mother get up in the middle of the night. You didn't even have a switch. You had to plug it in and unplug it. I'd hear her yanking that thing out of the wall. The plug was on the wall between their bedroom and mine. I could hear that thing coming out of the wall, but I don't want to go back to that. I like my air conditioning. Even though that was good, I think air conditioning is better. I don't think we want to go back to that in a a box stand sitting up in the window. I don't want to go back to that. But somehow we've gotten the idea that the way we did church a long time ago is still the best way to do it. Well, that's not necessarily so. We've got to be willing to change Our methods, not change the message, this is never going to change. We're not going to change the message, but sometimes we have to change the methods. I want to talk to you just a little bit today about the future and the great things that can happen in the future because of churches just like this one. Our methods have had to change a little bit. Uh, for years and years, we didn't have a state mission offering. But as more and more ministries became apparent that we needed to, uh, to have some extra resources, it became apparent that we were going to have to have an additional source of income to fund these. So we joined forces with Alabama WMU to, uh, to create the Myers Mallory State Missions Offering for years and years and years. Um, I think Noah even gave to the Mallory offering for Alabama WMU, uh, named after Kathleen Mallory, a Selma native who worked in Alabama WMU, our first executive director, and rightfully that offering should have been named for her. But when we started the state missions offering, we said we've got to distinguish. We will not give up that heritage. We don't want to give up that history. But we want to make it fresh and new so that folks can distinguish the difference. And we added the name Martha Myers, who was a physician, a missionary physician in Yemen, who gave her life at the hands of a man, uh, the husband of one of her patients that she had treated. He burst into the Baptist Hospital in Yemen and killed her and some others because of uh, their witness to his Muslim wife. So how fitting that Alabama native Martha Myers and Alabama native Kathleen Mallory should be uh, honored by naming this offering for them. Now there are five areas you see those in your bulletin and on the offering envelope. There are five areas, and I want to touch just very quickly on four of those because uh, one of those areas is uh, very near and dear to me because it comes. Uh, there are two of them actually that come to my office, but. Uh, I have responsibility for the administration of the partnership missions. But I want to touch first of all with Alabama WMU. Uh, about, uh, a little over half of this offering will go to Alabama WMU to fund their, uh, their ministries. Uh, they reach out to, uh, to children all the way up through, uh, through, uh, older ladies, uh, from Mission Friends and Children in Action, RAs, GAs, ACT Teens, uh, Baptist Young Women, WMU, Baptist Nursing Fellowship, Christian Women's Job Corps, Christian Men's Job Corps, tons of things that are going on in Alabama WMU. Last year, they, uh, one of the ministries that they implemented was at all of their events, they asked ladies to bring a gift card to be sent to a church planter, an Alabama church planter. A gift card to a restaurant. See these church planters many of them have have passed the time they receive any help from uh, from outside sources. They have to raise their own support. Many of them, their their churches are not large enough to support them. And as it is in my home when when the budget is a little tight, eating out has to be the first thing to go. So they ask folks to bring gift cards so that these church planters and their wives could go out to eat. What a blessing for these these men and women to have that thoughtfulness that they could have a date night. They could have a time just themselves to go out to eat. Uh, there are, are boys and girls that are in missions education, that uh, WMU provides training for those leaders across the state, that God is already beginning to speak to their hearts about a call to missions or a call to ministry or simply just to know about missions around our world and how Southern Baptists really have the handle on that. So many great things happening in Alabama WMU. There are about 3,300 Baptist churches, Southern Baptist churches in Alabama. That's a lot of folks. But about 60% of those churches are either plateaued, not seeing any growth, not seeing any decline, but just staying steady. 60% are either plateaued or in decline. Over half of them seeing no growth at all. Church revitalization has become a very important word in Baptist life in the last few years. It was one of those things that uh, that just popped up and, and became very apparent all of a sudden. And budgets were already set. Ministries were already in place. And we said, what do we do? So we've been able to, because of the Myers-Mallory State Missions offering, we've been able to have... Uh, resources and staff made available for church revitalization to go into churches that are plateaued or declining and encourage them and help them to, to look at what they're doing and, and how they can rejuvenate and how they can get excited and on fire about what the Lord can do through their church and look to the future for those great things that God can do through their churches. There are about one-fourth, there's about one-fourth of Alabama, right now, this morning, that are not worshiping in anybody's church. Hence the need for church planting. Now, church planting is not about going just down the road here from your church and taking members from your church to go to a new one. Maybe some of you would say, hey, I would would go to a new church just to help them get started. But it's not about taking members from other churches. It's about putting churches in areas where there are no churches. An example, West Montgomery. Several years ago, that neighborhood began to transition. And it, uh, it became an, uh, an area that, that was not a safe place to be. High crime rate, lots of drug activity, uh, lots of illegal activities of all kinds going on in West Montgomery. Folks began to get afraid to go to that area, so there, our Baptist churches pulled out and moved to other areas of the city. Some of them moved at that point what was way out, and now they're facing the same situation because that blight across Montgomery is continuing to move eastward from West Montgomery, and those churches are being chased again. This time, hopefully, through revitalization efforts, they won't run from those opportunities, but they will embrace them and reach out to the people who have come to them to share the good news. But that still leaves our neighborhoods with no Baptist presence. In West Montgomery, there was a young man and his wife that felt God's call in their life to come back to that area and to plant a church. They had been there just a few months, and I heard this young man say, I hope that our church can have an impact on this neighborhood to the point that before my children get old enough to realize that those are not firecrackers they're hearing outside our home at night. Because see, every night when he and his family go to bed, there's gunfire up and down the street in front of their home. But he is willing to be there because God has called him to that neighborhood, to those people to plant a church and to make an impact. In just over two years, that church has over a hundred this morning in their worship time. God is changing West Montgomery one life at a time because there was a young couple who were called and obeyed the call to come and plant a church in West Montgomery. There was a young man and his wife who had moved to California to plant a church. And their their church plant there was successful. But God put a calling on his life to move back to his hometown of Huntsville, Alabama. Because there was a, a group of people, a generation of people that were not involved in church. God called him to come back and plant a church that would reach millennials. Anybody from Huntsville? Anybody? Okay, we got one. Uh please don't take offense at this, but Huntsville's a different kind of place. You got NASA and all the, the space stuff going on, all those engineers, these young guys are, are graduating from college and and uh they're they're challenging those uh, traditional church thoughts and and they're just not responding to the ministries of our traditional churches there in Huntsville so this guy went in to plant a church specifically to reach that age group and to reach that demographic having a tremendous success long 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 story short another church had, was down to seven members they saw him in his storefront church baptizing people in a horse trough out on the sidewalk. And these seven people said, let's give our church building to that church. And let them come in and, ha- and, and breathe new life into our community. And into this building that our, our uh, folks have worked so hard to build. Let's see it being used for God, God's glory once again. So that church now is growing and is, is having tremendous success reaching millennials in Huntsville. You saw the video on disaster relief. That's a, a fourth area where the Myers-Mallory State Missions Offering has impact into the future, into the great things that God can do in, in the future because of your faithfulness. Uh, when we have devastation like you had just up the road here back in march we 're able to uh, to give a gift to local churches that are destroyed to say here 's something to help you get back on your feet and Just as important as that is the eight thousand volunteers that we have trained in Alabama who are ready to respond to go to our brothers and sisters in North Carolina, South Carolina, to respond to uh, Hurricane Florence. 8,000 people that we've trained. Training is not cheap. Equipment is not cheap. You saw those chainsaws? Those things are expensive. We've got a feeding unit that's pulled by a semi that will prepare up to 20,000 meals a day that is funded because of the Myers-Mallory State Missions Offering and the cooperative program. We've got shower units, laundry units that go and and provide ministries into those neighborhoods. We've got mud-out cleanup crews that are trained and ready to go. That equipment is expensive. Our most recent purchase we're very proud of We've had to walk away from jobs where there were uh, trees and limbs on top of uh, of two-story homes. But we've recently purchased a lift to get our guys up high enough to be able to remove those limbs. That was purchased directly with Myers-Mallory State Mission Offering Funds. So your church can reach out to those folks in North Carolina and South Carolina, last year in Houston, in Florida, in Jacksonville. Your church helped to do that. But the one area that is closer to my heart, because it's what I do every day, my, one of my primary responsibilities is to match our Baptist churches, our 3,300 churches, with our Alabama missionaries who are serving around the world. We have between three and 400 Alabamians who are serving around the world as missionaries. About 50 to 60 of those are serving as church planters here in North America. The rest of them are in uh, countries all over the world. In, in Europe, and in South Asia, East Asia, Southeast Asia, Central Asia, Sub-Saharan Africa, North Africa and the Middle East, and South and Central America. They are all over the globe. So we helped to partner with those folks. Last year, because of this offering, we were able to, um, to do a, uh, a retreat. We were able to send some Alabama Baptists, who, who paid their own way to get to, uh, to Austria, but a, a mission where one of our Alabama Baptists had become the team leader for this team of 12 people. They were from all over Austria and, and surrounding areas, had no opportunity to get together to plan and to, to strategize and to, um, to encourage each other. So we were able to, uh, to help them with a the retreat that they could get together and, uh, and have that time of growth and planning and, uh, and strategy development for reaching the people of Europe. But not only are we helping those missionaries, we're helping those folks in our Alabama churches who go to work alongside those missionaries. Our missionaries are starving for volunteer teams from our churches churches like this one, by the way, that we could help to, um, to prepare to send on a short-term mission trip. One of the ways that we do that is through faith-focused security training. We, um, we have uh, an agreement with a company that, uh, that comes in to, uh, to train us, train our teams, on how to respond in different kinds of situations, whether that's government Uh, Knowing how to answer uh, questions in passport control. I can't tell you how many people, Alabamians who didn't take advantage of that, have been sent home when they get to certain airports and they say, what is your reason for going into this country? And they say, we're on a mission trip. And they say, not in this country. You're going back home on the next flight. They don't get any refunds on that airfare so they had a very expensive lesson to learn so we provide training on how to answer those questions we provide training on how to uh to talk to policemen if you're uh, if you encounter uh, a policeman i was on a, a trip this is just a, a personal example i don't share other people's stories but i can share mine i was in a country if i told you where it was I'd have to shoot you so I'm just going to give you and give you a hint about where we were we were in a country if you walk into my my house you walk into the foyer to the right is my study You go straight ahead into our family room but if you turn left you go into our dining room dining table and chairs and on the back wall is this big cabinet and in that cabinet is fancy dishes That's your clue. Fancy dishes that we had to have when we got married and we've eaten off of twice in 30 years. Are you with me? Okay, now I don't have to shoot you. But that's where we were. And the missionaries taking us out into into this rural area where they're trying to start a mission. And uh, he said, this is where we would really like to have some help with people going out to share the gospel. He said, the, "The last I've only been out here one time. And when I was out here, I was stopped by the police. And, uh, and they were very suspicious. They took me into the police station and questioned me for six hours. He said, but now, that was just a fluke. That's the only time. I've been in this country for 15 years. That's the only time that's ever happened to me. But just be aware that this is a very tight area out here. So when we're preparing people to go, they need to know that. Y'all, not five minutes, we topped a hill, police roadblock. And my first thought was, we're going to jail. But the training that I got through our Faith focused Safe Travel training that... It's funded through the Myers-Mallory State Missions offering, kicked into gear. I reached down to my backpack, and I got my camera. Big old camera. Big old cannon sitting up here on my big old belly. So I'm just sitting there, and when we walk up, I was a summer missionary in Taiwan for eight weeks, so I learned a little bit of Chinese. When the missionary rolled the window down, the first two words out of that cop's mouth were, four Americans. And I thought, we are going to jail. Well, they began to talk back and forth, and the policeman began to get real excited, and he leaned around the missionary. I was riding shotgun, and he leaned around and looked at me, and then he said something to the missionary, and he whirled around and looked at me. And then he looked back and said something to this policeman, and he just went off. Shaking his finger and just got so excited and pointing. He yelled back to his partner over sitting on the hood of the car. And they were yelling back and forth. And I thought, we are so going to jail. (laughs) And after a few minutes of all of that yelling and pointing and shaking fingers, the missionary rolls his window up and we drive off. And he said, I would not have believed that had it not happened to me. He said, we're sitting there and he, I rolled the window down, the guy says, For Americans, you must be spies he said, no, 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 we're tourists. I live in the city, and these guys are, are just here. They wanted to see some rural countryside. They just wanted to see how beautiful it was. So I'm just bringing them out here to see this rural countryside. And he says, no, you're spies, and, and I'm going to arrest all of you. And he said, no, 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 really. These guys are just tourists. They just wanted to come see. And he said, that cop looked around me and looked at you. He says, they don't look like tourists. Hey, that's a nice camera that guy's got. He said, I turned around to see what you were doing, and there you are with that big old camera up on your big old belly and your hands up on the dashboard staring straight ahead like a mannequin sitting there. And I said to the policeman, yeah, he's, um, he's the team photographer. He said, well, then you need to take him that way. There's a waterfall up there that is just beautiful. And he'd make great pictures up there. And, hey, do you remember where that place? How did they get to this other place? And the other one's yelling directions back. So the rest of the conversation was just telling my driver where we needed to go to get good pictures. (laughs) So that training, funded by you, saved us from going to jail. We do that for every mission team that will allow us to do it. So when your church gets ready to go on a mission trip, you need to call me and let me set up that training for you. I didn't say if now. I said when. So I I can't wait to get the invitation to come back and help you line that up. So you see there are a lot of ways, and I could go for another hour on how your involvement through Myers-Mallory State Missions Offering, is preparing for the future for God to do great and mighty things through Alabama Baptist. Not just in your community. We want things to happen in your community. We're preparing churches to do things in their own communities. We're preparing churches to reach people across Alabama through church planting. Through church revitalization. Preparing people in their own communities through WMU and their education and their uh, their emphasis on women's ministry. We're preparing you to reach out to the greater United States through disaster relief. Helping those who have been hurt. Helping those who have had losses. And then helping to reach out across the world, to share the good news of Jesus Christ through our missionaries and our missions teams. Thank you for your continued support of state missions through your giving through the cooperative program, still the best way of funding missions, but also through your gifts through the Myers-Mallory State Missions offering. May God bless those gifts to do great things in his name. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for churches like this one who believe in what great things are to come. Thank you for their ministry here uh, along this highway and in this community, reaching out uh, to uh, to their neighbors to share the good news. Thank you that they are concerned enough about their own spiritual health that they spent weeks preparing for revival. And then they gave of their time and their energies to be here this week to be revived and renewed, Lord. I pray that that's just the beginning of something exciting here on this uh, on this corner. And Lord, we uh, we pray that as uh, as churches all across our state give to this special offering over the next few weeks, that it would not be because of um, of anything more than they're wanting to be a part of your ministry. Here at home, across our counties, across our state, our nation, and around the world, simply so that others could come to know you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.
1: Amen. Well, that exciting? You know, folks, that's just one of the marks of a redeemed community. You know, we live in a broken world where it takes a lot of work and then even then to get people to cooperate together, to do something for others together. It's always strings attached. There's always something else. There's always an agenda. And 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 we've tried to fix those things and they just don't get fixed. But Jesus Christ came and when he came, he raised up a redeemed community. Of believers who are full of the Spirit that work together to reach a world with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel, folks. That's the gospel. Now, there's some of us here today that God has spoken to and touched in the last four or five days of of this week because of what He was doing in that revival, and and you. And the Lord had been talking and praying, and God has a decision that he wants you to make today. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Some of you, uh, God has been speaking to you for a long, long time. You, You know about Jesus. You may be a church member. You may know about the church. But there's a world of difference in knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You see, Jesus came from heaven to live on earth. He lived a perfect life. He lived the life we should have lived, but couldn't because of our sin. And then Jesus died the death that we should have died because our sin deserved the death. And then he was buried, and three days later, God raised him from the dead to prove to the world that he was exactly who he said he was, and every word he spoke was true. And the Bible says that when we... Turn from our sin and ourself and our opinions and what we think. And we turn to him in faith that he forgives us and he restores us to a wonderful relationship with the Father. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And you can know that today. Some of you, God may be calling for other things. You may just need to come and pray and do a little bit more business. We used our prayer altar this week. And I pray that before many more weeks, we'll have stains in the carpet of tears where God's people met with God and did some business. So I just want you to know today, this prayer altar is open. You can come and pray. If you need to come with a decision, you and God have been talking this week about something God spoke to you about in the revival. Maybe it's the issue of forgiveness. Maybe it's a burden that you've been bearing that you need to give to the Lord. Maybe you just need to get right with God yourself. Maybe some of you need to become believers. Whatever it is, this moment is for you. Okay? You can't do it alone. Jesus will help you. Now, if you're sitting beside somebody and you don't want to come by yourself, just touch them on the shoulder and say, hey, would you go with me? They'll come. Because we want you to know. There's something about a public decision, something about making it public. That kind of cements it and says this is real. It's easy to talk yourself out of something when you go out the door. It's more difficult when you have said before people or you have said your decision before people. It's a little bit more difficult then. So I want to encourage you today. Whatever your decision is, I pray today that you'd be willing to make it. Let us help. That's what we want to do. Let's pray together. Let's stand together and let's pray. Father, we're grateful today for your the gospel that makes such a difference in people that brings all kinds of people together in this state and we choose voluntarily nobody forces us to but we choose voluntarily to come to church and then we choose voluntarily to give some of our money and then each church instead of keeping it all and for itself and for building bigger buildings and doing its own thing takes a significant portion of that money and then gives it away and father that's evidence of you Because you love the world so much that you gave. And so, Father, there's some of us today that need to start a walk with you. Some of us have been walking with you and gotten off the path. Some of us have just stopped. We've been so weighed down, so burdened, so broken. Today, I pray that no matter where we are on the journey, that we would take a step closer to you. And I pray, God, that you would work in our hearts today. This time is yours. Holy Spirit, you're free to do whatever you need to do in our lives. Help us to respond. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.